I am fascinated by people who use their hands to create something. People who post videos on TikTok are called creators. And some of these creators just talk. But I love watching the creators who use their hands. And I watch them create in all kinds of areas, uh, art, pouring resin, throwing pottery, grafting plants, shoeing horses. None of it is in my wheelhouse. I have no interest in doing any of that. I follow a woman who is in the weeds about embroidery, structuring of garments, and types of fabrics. I don't even care that much about clothes, but she's fascinating. And none of it is going to help me because uh, these are not skills that I am going to pursue. I just love watching people use their hands and seeing how how things are, are made. Uh, but I do have my own projects in which I use my hands, my own type of creating that I obviously need a lot of help with. My question to you is how many unfinished projects do you have on your to-do list? Mm. What does that mean, Ty? He went like this. If we were not distanced, I'd have you turn to someone that was not in your family and tell them one thing that came to your mind, but oh well, that was before. There's a child's purse in my room which Elena brought to me at least 10 years ago and asked me to fix it. It was a crocheted bag and crocheting is something that I know how to do and for the longest I was stumped because I didn't have the right material to fix it with, but then I found a purse made of the same stuff in a yard sale and I knew I could just unravel that purse and use that to make uh, the other purse up. It was simple. That unfinished purse to this day mocks me. <laughs> it's peeking out from underneath a box in my bedroom. Every time I walk by it, I feel a little twinge. Elena is far too old for it now, but I have not finished it. I haven't even thrown it away because that would be admitting defeat. I haven't given it away. Some of you are highly skilled and some of you are highly motivated. Those, and you get things done. Those are admirable traits. Others like me start but don't finish. But I, I do, am guessing that the majority of us do have a to-do list that we would like to whittle down. But today, I would like for us to think about our spiritual to-do projects. Think about a list of what you would like to accomplish spiritually. Our theme for the past several weeks has been created for worship. And today we are looking at the byproduct of worship, the runoff of worship, because worship is directed to God. The whole point of worship is connecting with God. But all along we've seen that there is an overflow to that worship of that upward focus that benefits us. And uh, our psalm today describes our corporate worship with benefits. Describes corporate benefits that uh, corporate worship that thrills the bones. So I want you to visualize as we read these words, Psalm 68, verse 24 through 26. Your solemn processions are seen, O God, the processions of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers in front, the musicians last, between them girls playing tambourines, 
Bless God in the great congregation, O Lord, you who are of Israel's fountain. Oh, to be part of that great assembly, participating in corporate worship, witnessing that processional of singers and tambourine players and musicians. It just can't help but bring out the praise in us. And so this psalm finishes in verse 32. Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. Sing praises to the Lord. O rider in the heavens, the ancient heavens. Listen, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God in his sanctuary, the God of Israel. And now comes the kicker, because up to this point it has been all about God's power and the praise that must erupt when we dwell on the enormity of God. But the conclusion of this psalm in the very last verse turns into a new direction. We've just read, awesome is God in his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He gives strength, power, and strength to his people. And now back to the main point, blessed be God. That revealing cutaway, that kind of like almost a little bit of an aside. Oh, and by the way, as you are worshiping, pouring out your heart, appreciating and praising God, by the way, he gives you the worshiper power and strength. Would you look at God? God, whose greatness we have just been admiring, gives us strength and power. And we've seen throughout this series the great infusion of spiritual wealth that happens when we worship. When we praise God, our souls are lifted out of our ordinary existence to glory and wonder in God who is awesome and holy. We are energized. Praise is our fuel. Praise is our fuel. When we pray, the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us, carrying our groans to the throne of grace to have our prayer, prayers land not at a throne of judgment, but at a throne of grace. What a profound privilege. And so we pray and we trust and we thank God as we do that our perspectives shift and we are not so tightly wound around our own myopia. We are given a peace that passes understanding. We are given comfort. Prayer, prayer is our fuel. When we read and study God's word, when we explore his truth, when we appreciate and absorb the revelation of God's own self to us, we are filled with goodness. So reading the Bible, scripture is our fuel. In other words, all of worship, worship is our fuel. Worship empowers us. And do you know this to be true? Have you experienced through worship the receiving of strength and power from God? I guess we don't so much need any strength and power from God when all is going well in our world, when we're in control, when life is humming along, when we're maintaining the status quo. But we most definitely need power from God when we're in trouble, when we are failing, when we have to trust God to catch us because we're falling. We need God's strength and power when we are facing forces beyond our control, when we are looking at a hurt 
and broken world. We especially need God's strength and power when we want to step out in faith into a new, uncomfortable territory. We need God's strength and power in order to tell other people about Jesus. Our psalm tells us that our mighty God empowers us through worship. And what I want to ask today is, what do we use that power for? What do we do with the fuel, the energy that we are given in worship? And I would like to suggest that if we use God's power solely for our personal benefit, only to work on our inner being, only to make us feel good for that day, but then Monday rolls around and we're back to our normal selves, only to serve ourselves with God's strength and power that we have, I'd like to suggest that we have misused and wasted the power of God. Because worship needs to radically change us, and then we are to change the world. I better say that again. Worship needs to radically change us, and then we are to change the world. I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. And then verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. We are unfinished works of God. And if anyone wants to criticize any Christians, they don't have to look any further than this congregation. They can look at any congregation, but let's just stay right here. We can truthfully be accused of hypocrisy. We can be accused of being one way in public and another way in private, one way on Sunday and another day, way on a weekday. There's some truth in that because we have not yet lived up to what God wants of us. So you and I are unfinished works of God. But one thing I know about any work that God puts his hand to, anything God creates, any aspect of God's creation from the inside out is, what does Genesis 1 say us? Good. Good. And what God intends to work in us and among us is good. The gospel is transformative and life-changing and inherently and intrinsically good. And that is why we're here in worship, because that's what we need. We need the life-giving force that only comes from Jesus, who gives the water of life. We need Jesus, the bread of life. And we need him not just weekly as we meet together, but daily. Minutely, maybe. God is creating good among us. Now, I had to have a 
cancer spot taken off my nose. My dermatologist sent me to <clears throat> a nose specialist. So I've had my nose done by a surgeon. <clears throat> and the surgeon was talking to me as she was working on me about the length of the scar and why I had to be longer so as to not leave lumps about the challenge that the nose presents when you cut a chunk out of it and then you try to stitch it up. Now I had not thought of any of these things before, but she had taken classes, specialty classes in it. And so she was trying really hard not to leave awkward little bumps there. And so my surgeon said, if you are going to walk around town with my signature on your face, it had better look good. I thought I was at the right place when she said that. Now normally I think about the process, the progress of the Christian life, about what God is doing among us. I think about God the gardener, the farmer growing fruit of the spirit in us and among us. But the gardening metaphor of the vineyard in the Gospel of John also includes some pruning. <clears throat> so maybe we should also think of God as a surgeon cutting out the cancer. That what God is getting rid of among us is as important as what God is growing among us. And we have to just name the fact that transformation is painful. Change is hard. We have to let go of things that we've held on to a long time. We have to branch out into new and unfamiliar territory. We have to become vulnerable and open. Who likes doing that? We sometimes have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We have to heal. So yes, our transformation journey causes scars. And let's remember that Jesus has them too. But no, with complete assurance, with the confidence of the Apostle Paul, that the good work that God has begun in you and the good work that God has begun among us, he will bring to completion. The good work of God at ABC, he will bring to completion and it is gonna be so good. I'm very impatient. <laughs> I want to see that good work completed in me and among us right now. I want the scar to be healed. I want the beauty to come out. I want to get past that scary part, that messy part, that confusing, that agonizing part. But we don't get to the completion of God's good work without walking every step of that hard path before us. There's no shortcut. And in fact, I've come to accept that the process in our transformation is God's purpose for us. That the process is a pur purpose. You better tweet that or whatever. The process is the purpose for God working in us. Do you know about Kintsugi? It's the Japanese art 
of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer dusted with gold or platinum or silver. And it treats the breakage and the repair as part of the history of the object rather than as something to disguise. It embraces flaws and imperfections. And not only is there no attempt to hide the damage, the repair is literally illuminated. So I love the visual of God as a Japanese artisan repairing the humble, broken pottery vessel with gold. Carefully in his hands, recreating us. I love that. Philippians verse one, chapter one, verse six, assures us that God is our hands on creator. And what he starts, he will finish. And it will be so good. You can see that verse there. And then verse nine and 10, I'm reading this part again. <clears throat> because these are the process verses that drive towards a goal. So I want you to see the journey of where God wants to take us. And this is my prayer that your love may overflow more and more in knowledge with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced a harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. And what caught my attention in this passage is that harvest of righteousness. Now that is our unfinished spiritual project to produce a harvest of righteousness. That should be on every follower of Jesus to-do list. God is growing, cutting, pruning, creating among us so that we produce a harvest of righteousness that comes from a right relationship with God. <clears throat> when we pursue God in worship, when he fills us with his strength and power in worship, we are to use that fuel to produce fruit just from having been in relationship and intimacy with God. So you see, we cannot walk out of here, bellies full, and then go and take a nap the whole rest of the week until it's time to come back to worship. The harvest of righteousness comes when we use the strength that has been given to us for the benefit of our relationships, which need a lot of work, for the benefit of our neighbors, especially the hard ones to love, for the benefit of people who are uh, hurting, for the benefit of our community, for the benefit of our world, our hands-on work of being a small C creator behind our awesome big C creator is to produce fruit that comes from a right relationship with God. And we have the blueprint right here in this verse of how we are to do it. God began a good work in us, so the seed is there. We don't have to be responsible for that. <clears throat> we don't take credit for that. But the pathway to the harvest is 
our love overflowing more and more in abundance, a stream of love which doesn't run dry, a love which flows out of knowledge and full insight. There is an integrity between our, our what, what is this? Our heads, that's what I meant to say, our heads, our hearts, and our hands. They're, they're integrated, they are whole, they are connected. All of that working together in sync, help us to determine what is best, help us to be pure and blameless ourselves, and produces a harvest that pleases God. Now, that integrity is hard to achieve. Well, maybe I'm talking just for myself, but I think getting your heart and your, your, heart and your hand together is a challenge. And what I'm telling you tonight is, or today, is that your hands then have to be involved. It's not all about you on the inside. So that's a challenge. We know that sin breaks and disrupts the wholeness of our person. And sadly, it's too often that we, we experience the dysfunction between our head and our heart. That is a common experience for us. One leads one way and the other leads the other way. And once we have those two coordinated, then we got to get our hands on board. So all of that is an honest assessment of our selfishness and our laziness and our desire for our own comfort. We got to get our hands involved. Love is meant to be put to work and what a lot of work love is. We will need knowledge as our passage says and full insight to love well. And this knowledge isn't doctrine, it isn't facts, it isn't a formula. It's not the kind of knowledge where we put pen to paper and take a test. No, it's spirit-wrought, Christ-centered, scripture-saturated knowledge. I read that from someone in this passage. It's knowing God. So, of course, knowing God overflows our love and helps us to determine what is best and keeps us pure and blameless Knowing God pushes us out into love. Love in a dream, Dostoevsky said, is very different than love in actuality. Real love is so much more messy and complicated. People don't react the way they should. They make poor decisions. They test the boundaries. They excuse their own failings. They have personality quirks. People are so tough to love. But wait, I'm talking about myself, too. I do all of those things. I am so tough to love sometimes. But we have a God who loves us still with a transforming love. And he is our source. In every worship service, there is a commissioning, a request for God's power to work in us. And then as we receive it, ascending out in that power into the world, outside the sanctuary. That's the final prayer and the benediction, which asks us to open ourselves to respond to the word of God, to respond to God's presence in our midst for our own sake, but also for the sake of others. We should be different. We should be changed every time we walk out from the sanctuary simply because we've been with God. And if God's love got a hold of you today, 
you will be eager to find ways to love him back and to love others. So I'm just warning you in advance this week, you are going to go out there and something is gonna happen where it's gonna be hard for you to love, to respond in love. Something or someone will irritate you, someone will anger you, and you, of course, being in the right, will want to respond in impatience and anger and self-righteousness. And at that point, I'm gonna ask you to use the fuel that you got in worship to overflow love into that situation to bring in knowledge and full insight so that you know what is best. Now that's gonna be a challenge. That's gonna be such a challenge. It is so hard to come out of those situations pure and blameless. Does that describe you? It feels a little impossible, doesn't it? But we have the power of God. We have the strength of God. So we are going to go out there and walk around with our heavenly surgeon's signature on us. And we are going to practice many, many, many practical acts of love this week. You don't even have to look for an opportunity. It's going to hit you today. I'm sure of it. And through the week. I'm, you see, I'm not asking you to just do one thing for God. I'm asking you every single time to use your fuel and respond in love and produce that harvest of righteousness. So go out there and practice love this week. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And for our closing prayer, I'm simply going to pray the Apostles' Prayer over us. So, precious God, I pray to you, the God of love, that our love in us and among us may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight. Please help us to determine what is best so that in the day of Christ we may be pure and blameless. Please help us. We will need your help to produce the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So we open ourselves to your good work in us, now and in this week and on into the future. In Jesus' name, amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon. But if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.